That was perfect. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate that. And like I mentioned in the announcements, obviously you're going to open your Bibles. We're going to be in First Peter, and you may say for six months, but boy, when you look at all that it has to offer on depth and in theology, we've got a lot to look at. And again, I really want to encourage you to come on Wednesday nights and be a part of the Bible study. Like I said, we have youth and we have children, but we also have adults, because we'll be looking into this portion of Scripture that I'm preaching on deeper this Wednesday night. I'm not a Bible salesman, don't make any money off of it, but if you have an electronic Bible, I can help you afterwards. I think, is that Bible still on sale? Uh, the Bible that I use that you can hit on any word and it shows you what it is is basically half price and I'm not I don't make I'm not a Bible salesman like off of brother or art thou you know but uh, uh, it's a good tool that if you have an electronic Bible you can see exactly what the words mean and we're going through the study and stuff so I encourage you to be about about that we uh, Sherry got a card from from Janelle Welch and a lot of you know Janelle Janelle's a wonderful lady that has played our piano for years, and now she's she's moved on to a, uh, I don't want to call it assisted living, but you know a, a retirement home. And I've got her address here, and we can email her address to you. And we love everybody to send her a card. And she sent a Christmas card to the church, and said, "May his may his birth bring you joy beyond measure, and fill your heart with all the blessings of Christmas." And this and this is my wish for you and the church, Janelle. Wonderful lady. Yes, ma'am. Tomorrow is her birthday. Okay. I tried to text her or call her, didn't get anything back, but we will get the, her address out, and even if she gets a delayed birthday card, I'm sure she'll appreciate that. And I can give you, uh, after church today, I'll, you can come up and see me, and you can write the address down to get that if you're old school on that. So Janelle, uh, blessed by her. You know, it's a blessing to have Kevin to be able to sing and to play, but now in churches, especially our size, to have some to have live music is, is I don't want to say it's a rarity, but, you know, it's something that is hard to happen. That's why we appreciate Kevin giving him his time and talent. But Janelle did that for years, and we appreciate her, so we need to let her know that. So, all right, talking about those that are getting older, Betty White, man. I wanted her to make it to 100. She had 17 days, and when my son told me she was dead, I thought it was one of those internet spoofs and stuff like that, you know, because, you know, you wanted her to make it, you know, that little spunky old lady or whatever, but, you know, we're, uh, we, we talk about life, and we talk about living longer, and the longer you live, the more you look towards what happens after I die, and, you know, the title of the ser sermon is The Great Reward, and, you know, now we're in a society where everybody wins, everybody gets a trophy, and so therefore a lot of you know something you really had to work for. You know, you either had to study, you had to practice, you had whatever, and it may not mean anything to anybody else, but it was something that you really earned, that you really took time for. And sometimes a lot of us are thinking, you know, when I retire, I'm saving money for this, to do this. And sometimes we ignore just living life now, which we need to because life is so uncertain. We're, uh, now we have no uh, delayed gratification where we wait on something. A lot of us that are older, there's this thing called the mail 
okay? And if somebody wanted to talk to you, they couldn't text you, or we had to physically have a phone in a place with a cord on it. I know this is hard for some of you to grasp, and, you know, people couldn't find you or get a hold of you, and, and somehow we survived, you know? Um, but we would get letters in the mail. Yes, they were handwritten on this thing called paper with a pen, and, and people would write back and all this kind of stuff. And so, and then some of you remember ordering stuff. I'm not talking about Prime next day or what I, that. Now we're all there. It's like, why is it not here? I just ordered it two seconds ago. Why is it not moved from the warehouse, okay, or whatever? And we waited for that thing in the mail, that anticipation and so many times that's being zapped out of us. We don't want to wait for anything. But rewards are something we work for, something we look towards. And in life, we're in the now and not yet. Is this worth it? Oh, another this or another that. And so we wait, and then the weight of life pushes on us to, like, jump on the immediate or to go to that which is quick and easy, and Satan really likes that. And, you know, we don't like delayed gratification, and, and it's hard for us to focus, and we just want to go for it. And so we struggle with choosing what's good instead of what's best, like what Martha and Mary, when they were at the, and, and Mary was at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus told her, Martha, Mary has chose the better. You're just looking at the immediate. And so we make a choice to give in to the easy or we wait for the reward. Your action step today from this sermon is wait for the reward. You know? And it's going to, guess what? The, the, your points are going to spell out the word wait, W-A-I-T, not the other one, okay? And again, last week we introduced in verses 1 and 2, we're talking about Peter, the apostle, and if you're there Wednesday night, you know, apostle is one that was called directly by Christ. And then we see how Peter has grown from, I'm going to do everything for you, this rough businessman, fisherman, to he denies Christ, he's restored. And then we see Peter that is faithful, and now he's talking to the Christians that have been scattered and dispersed throughout Turkey specifically here, but also to us, those that are suffering. So he's, he's talking to those that have chosen to be chosen, who choose, that we talked about last week. They're scattered. They're scattered because of persecution that we see in Jerusalem that they went throughout the world. And this, is, this, this persecution is what spread Christianity. And they're suffering. They may not be eating well. They may not be living well. They may not be getting the jobs because of being identified with Christ. And so now that brings us to the next part, 1 Peter verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Lord, I ask today that whatever things or people that we're trying to strive for to get our reward, that we would lay them down and only look towards the great reward, which is being accepted by you in relationship with you and to be completed in the last day. I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you and they're trying to, 
they're trying to get the rewards by other people's approval or through accomplishments that, dear Lord, they will lay them down today and realize that we can never be good enough and that only Jesus Christ can save us and you love us because of your great mercy. I pray, dear Lord, if we're helping other people measure in the wrong way that we'll stop. Holy Spirit, whatever and however we need to be obedient to you today, may we wait for your great reward. In your name, Jesus, amen. Looking back at verse uh, 3, Blessed be the God uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And mine has an explanation point, so he's not just saying, Hey, bless God. He's saying, Bless God. He's excited about it. According to the great mercy He has caused us to be born again. That word bless means to praise, and that's part of what we did here today, but we need to do it every day, whether in song or in word, and definitely in deed and in action. And notice, again, verses 1 and 2, we see it, and again in verses 3 and 5, we see the Trinity. We don't ever see the word Trinity in the Bible, but we see the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, three in one. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a son, but I'm only Russell. And we need to understand that we do not worship three gods, but three in one, aspects of God. And so why is God, he, he's talking about God the Father, the Creator, the Father of Christ, and asking the question, why should, why should God the Father be praised? Because our situation from Genesis chapter 3, you see in Genesis 1 to 3, everything's going good. God's created a relationship. He's given us free will, but yet he knows the choices we're going to make. We talked about that uh, Wednesday night. And yet Adam and Eve chose their way. And sin entered in. And the things that we struggle with right now in our lives is because of the curse of sin. We're separated forever, eternally from God and from a relationship with God. But why should we bless and praise God if He gave us free will, we made the wrong choice, and now we can have no relationship with Him? Notice those, the next part of verse 3. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of His great mercy, undeserved favor, it's not because I was good enough. It's not because I can ever be good enough. It's because God said, I will give you mercy that you do not deserve. Now, I want us to understand, even though our society pushes us to the fact that nobody pays for anything, somebody's got to pay for something, and we may be pushing it down the road. And what God said is, if you do this, you will be punished. And there is, there's repercussions for this. And somebody has to pay for this. And this is why he sent Christ. And we first of all see our, our state. Titus 3.5 says this, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. And you see a choice there. Our sin is death and God's gift is eternal life. And Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, We are saved by grace, not by works, lest anyone should boast. It is a gift of God, not of ourselves. And so again, never going to be good enough. Never going to be cleaned up enough. Your righteousness and my righteousness are as filthy rags. We are in a bad state. And so what did he do? Notice the last part of verse 3. He caused us to be born again to a living hope we're talking about as we study Bible studies 
And on Wednesday nights, I tell everybody to underline the words and, and that stick out to you that you want to know more about. And I usually hit the verbs. Notice this, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's the nugget. The fact that why we can be right with God, why, as he talked with Nicodemus, how can I enter my mother's womb and be born again? He's talking about being spiritually born again because we're dead in our sins only through Jesus Christ. Dead in our sins, born to newness of life, and that is a living and eternal hope. A lot of people are hoping in dead things. You know, she didn't make it to 100. It's cool if everybody makes it to 100. But, you know, she was still going to die. We're still going to die. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. Unless Christ comes back, this is, this is what happens, and we need to enjoy life, and we need to understand life. But that's not a living hope. A lot of people are looking towards, I've got to finish this, and, I, and nothing else happens. And you know what? If this is all there is, this is pretty sad. A living hope. Real eternal life that someday that's something really to wait on. And so your, net, your first point, while we wait for our reward, worship the God of grace. We praise God because we deserve death, hell, and the grave and eternal separation. On our best day, we're as sinful as can be. But on his un, on our, in his un, our undeserved, uh, he gave us grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. And that's why we worship Him. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for sending your Son. Thank you, God, that I have an l- eternal living hope. So how did He accomplish this? And what, and, and what was the end result? No, look at the last part of verse 3. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I've talked to you about this before. This is a verse you should have marked, but 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, I had it memorized, and I have to re-memorize it because it's kind of wordy in the version that I use, and we use the ESV. And, and, but here is the gospel in a nutshell, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. And you should write it down. You should know it. Um, you know, this is the gospel. For I delivered unto you as first importance what I also received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, and that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. Now, what would happen if I just read verse 3? No hope. Definitely not living. He died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. But where's the hope? Notice verse 4. If we just use the first part of verse 4, he was buried. No hope. Last part. This is the completion of the gospel, that he was raised on the third day in accordance of Scripture. If Christ is in his tomb, if Christ is dead, no hope. Let's go. Let's do something else. But there's a reason you're here today, because you're seeking hope. You're living in that hope of the raised Christ, and that this is not all there is. And so in our, in our present hopeless state, and dead in our sins, we move from that to a future, to a living hope that Christ took our ransom as he was ransomed for our sin. He was the payment for our sin. He had never known sin, and he took on our sin for us so we can be right with God. Through Christ's sacrifice, we can be right with God, and we can have a completed salvation. Your next fill-in. Uh, we can wait for the reward because we are alive in Christ. 
He is our living hope. Think as you look around, as you talk to people, and especially, I don't want to call these any darker times, but these are weird times. And it just seems like, you know, I'm, I, I don't make any money off telling you guys to listen to the world and everything in it. But a year ago, I made a decision not to watch regular news. And I'm not against it. You're not in trouble if you're doing it. But they're pushing on you on both sides and they're creating a narrative. And you know what? First of all, you need God's word first before you listen to any news. But I spent a year listening to the world and everything in it and that's how I get my news and they report clearly. And you know what? I've gone through life a lot calmer and I know what's going on and I'm able to pray more. Everybody's talking about dead things. Everybody's talking about there's no hope in this, and this is coming, and this is coming, and this is coming. And yes, we do need to be aware. But are you abiding in Christ? John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Most of us, a lot of times, are struggling to walk around and to be alive. And think about it. If everybody has hope in dead things, hope in their bank account, hope in their health, none of these things are bad, but if they're not in Christ and beyond here, they are dead. And I want you to understand, you know, what does it look like when you're around a whole dead area and you see one thing living? Hope. Alive in... That's what it means to be alive in Christ. And so... Through Christ's sacrifice, we can be made right. We are alive in Christ. His sacrifice makes us right with God. And we can choose to be chosen. And so, He made us right for what? Look at verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Let's talk about the word inheritance. That's a, a share in eternity. The, the share of being blessed by God the share of being in relationship with God, that we are joint heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 17 says this, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. You might want to write that verse down, Romans 8, 17, because we like the first part of it, if, and if children, we're children of God, again, Everybody here is a creation of God. Nobody here is junk. God loved you so much that He gave His Son to redeem you, but you have to make that choice. But you are not a child of God till you receive the salvation of Christ. And when you receive the salvation of Christ, you are adopted. And most of us know the rules of adoption in society then and now. An adopted child is protected more than a natural child in a family. And so if you receive Christ and His salvation and His living hope, you are now a child of God and you are now an heir of God, fellow heirs with Christ. But notice the second part of Romans 8.17, provided we suffer with Him or that we also may be glorified with Him. Who is Peter talking to? He is talking to Christians that have been scattered throughout uh, Turkey and who are, are suffering. That is still true today. More than any time in, in history, Christians are suffering for their faith. And we think we're suffering when somebody just doesn't like what we believe. Or if we say, hey, we're not right with God. And, and that we need to be right with God through Jesus Christ. So what kind of inheritance? It's imperishable. It can't be corrupted. It won't pass away. 
A lot of people, you know, be like, hey, I got so much money or I got this and this house is wearing down or this land needs to be taken care of or this, this money is leaving. But this is an imperishable, can't be corrupted. It won't pass away. Undefiled. It's interesting, as, as, you know, as you, you look at wills and stuff like that, one of the aspects of wills now, if there's a trust and kids get a trust, that there's a, a new clause in that, that, you know, if this kid goes off the deep end and gets involved in, 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 in bad things, that their trust is, is, is cut off. And so many times we don't understand how money is neutral. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And it's, it's not bad if a person has money. It's the fact of, is the money your God? But this, the, it's interesting that we see sometimes when people get an inheritance here, it defiles them. Oh, I've got money to do this. I never thought about doing this bad thing, but now I can, and I can cover it up or whatever, or I can buy things that may not help me or may feed the wrong thing. But the inheritance from God is undefiled. It will not corrupt us because it is pure, because he makes us right with him, and we have the Holy Spirit within us, and that's awesome. It's pure. It can't be ruined. It can't be spoiled. It won't be spoiled. It won't spoil us. Notice it's unfading. It's lasting. A lot of you know flowers way better than me, but perennials. You, people uh, plant them, and, and you know, in a lot of our house is an old farmhouse, and I know those farmers that lived there a long time ago planted those perennials, and they come up every year. That's what he's talking about here is the fact that this inheritance is lasting. It won't end. It's our part that he goes, if we get into 1 Peter and we get to chapter 5, which would be months from now, and verse 4, it talks about the crown of glory, that it is eternal, that it is perpetual, and that it will not burn out. A lot of people talking about, you know, inflation, and think about it, and the fact that, well, I inherited this much money, but inflation means I'd only get this much money. But I want you to understand when it's unfading, it's not touched by any kind of inflation. And that is an inheritance that we want. Your next film, we, can't, we can wait for the reward because our inheritance is indestructible. I want us to think about that. I want you to chew on that this week, but it is, imperish, it is imperishable. It won't pass away. It's undefiled. It won't spoil and it won't spoil you. And it's unfading. It will not end. What kind of inheritance are you looking for? Or what kind of inheritance you're saying, I didn't get nothing. Guess what? In Christ, we all can have this inheritance. So what, what is it? Who's watching it? How secure is it? When did we, uh, how do we get it? Um, I've been blessed to talk to somebody that they were basically almost a teenager through the Depression, and they, they lived here in Springfield. And it's like they were, I was talking to them the other day and they were telling me about the depression and, you know, they're saying how horrible it was and how it really affected people. And we think just sometimes when we don't have food and the shelves are bare, we're talking about a long time that basically World War II got us out of the depression. That's how bad it was. And something I didn't even think about because I thought, okay, what's the aspect? What was so hard? I know the depression was bad. So I was like, what's so horrible about the depression? No. But one thing they brought up was the fact of people getting water in Springfield and that there were only like two main wells and the fact that the guy was t uh, telling me that they had these glass jars that were, uh, were five-gallon jars that they would fill with water. And can you imagine carrying a five-gallon glass 
jar. I mean, that, you know, he's talking about how heavy it was and how people finding water and people finding food and families moving in and just how it affected people for the rest of their life on we made fun of great grandparents and stuff. Why are you being so cheap? Why are you saving those plastic bags? Why are you doing this? Why don't you live a little? Because they realized when they couldn't have anything, they realized when it went away, and they was talking about the fact of people losing their livelihood and nobody working and families having to help family. And a person was telling me about how their family helped, helped them. We don't have to worry about that when it's an indestructible. It's not going to fade. doesn't mean life's going to be good here. We are looking with a living hope towards something. And as, as the apostle says later, it's not hope if we know what it is, if we see it. And we'll get into that in a minute. So who's watching this? A lot of people didn't trust banks because they failed. I remember it wasn't, uh, it's probably like 15 years ago, I was looking at doing a savings account because I'm just rolling in it, okay? And just put some money to get a little bit of interest. And it's pretty bad when the banker said, you'd probably make more money if you buried it in the backyard. I still think that's true, but you go back to these people that are part of the Great Depression and you laugh at them and say, why do you have $40,000 under your mattress? Why did you bury that? Why don't you put that in the bank? And don't get me started on crypto, Superman's dog, and his currency, okay? Whatever. That was a joke, okay? You know, or Vimo. All my kids now, it's like, hey, you owe me 20 bucks. Well, get on Vimo. We can't get on Vimo. And so they still owe me 20 bucks, okay, or whatever, or whatever, you know. But all these things that are out there, and you understand the fact that while we have something that is indestructible, that is solid, that we're looking towards. And so as we see these people from the Depression not trusting banks because they folded, not trusting uh, cyber out there, people wanting gold and silver and solid and have a map with an X on it, who's guarding my money? Who's guarding this promise? Notice verse 4, kept in heaven for you. That kept means keeping an eye on. And notice that it's in heaven. You know, not everybody can get to this. And notice that it's for us individually. Our inheritance, our inheritance is being kept in the most secure place, heaven. But it is the most secure because it's eternal, it's everlasting, and it is the Almighty God who's keeping it. Notice verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice whose power? God's. So it's not normal power, it's miraculous, supernatural. And no one can go against God. And no one can take that away from God. And that word guarded means like a military garrison. So I want you to understand our inheritances. You receive Christ, you're a child of Christ, you're joint heirs. Life is not maybe good. And you're struggling with physically uh, your, the, the elements of your body, the physicalness of life. But you have a living hope that someday everything will be made right and you'll be with God and you won't struggle with sin. And you're looking towards God who is holding that promise and His power. And He's guarding it in that military garrison of heaven. That living hope. Notice this, but our living hope is faith. It's built on what God can do. Not that we saved ourselves, not that we were good enough, but God saves us, God keeps us until that day. We can, your last part there, we can wait for our reward regardless because we know it is totally protected by God. 
We watch all these shows where, oh, that vault is impenetrable and nobody can be in that. And the whole show is about them breaking in and getting it and they get away with it. And yeah, we can be secure and yeah, we can have cameras and yeah, we can protect and these things are not bad. But we're talking about something that is eternal, that is guarded by the Almighty God, our inheritance. As the Apostle, said in Second, Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed for I know whom I believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul testifying, notice that he started with, notice I read it in Romans chapter 8, suffering is part of the Christian life. Not making light of what you're going through, but why are we so surprised when we suffer for our beliefs or our body is decaying or all these things. Again, not trying to be a Debbie Downer. You need to enjoy life, but you need to enjoy looking towards a living hope that yes, I may suffer, but I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted with me. Salvation, when you receive his salvation and say, save me, it is a promise to be fulfilled in eternity that God is keeping. And regardless of what you're going with and going through, you wait for that reward. But Satan continually wants you to be distracted by what's going on in life and not wait and given to the temporary. Well, they might be upset with me. They may not like what I have. Or this hurts too much. Well, why is it consistently all the first century Christians start with suffering? <coughs> but I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day. I know. Those are strong words. And so in 2 Timothy 4.8, he goes on to say this, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on the day, and not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. What are you looking towards? What are you waiting for? This year that we've entered in, we've had to do a lot of waiting. It's interesting to talk to some people how many times they've been quarantined and been waiting by themselves or waiting for a test or waiting for this. And those things stink. It's just, just, it just stinks. But so many times we'll wait for the wrong things, but we don't wait for the living hope. That, you know what? There won't be any more tests. There won't be any more pain. There won't be any more struggle with sin. That's worth waiting for. And so... We're looking towards that. And so today in this year, as, as Jesus said in Matthew, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some of you sometimes, like, you know, there's, there's some things I may have hidden or we hide in the house and, and if we forget to tell our kids where it's at and they go through stuff, they may throw it away. And I've had loved ones that I've had to, you know, help with their, their house and different things like that. It's like, why is this stuck in here? Why is this stuck in there? And, and all these kind of things. Because, you know, they're hiding that treasure hoping that the physical thieves won't steal it and that the right people will get it. But I'm going to ask you today, what rewards are you looking towards? All of us struggle with wanting to be accepted by others and your pastor more than anybody because I have to say hard things and I am bound by the word that I have to speak clearly the word and it's not about me. These are, God, these are Christ's words and God's words but it still doesn't feel good when people don't like it or you may get a push back. But here's the deal. 
am I treasuring your opinion more than God? Because 1 Corinthians 1.10 says that if I am worried about man's opinion, then I cannot be and you cannot be a servant of God. Are you treasuring somebody's opinion, whether it's family or friends or work or whatever? Are you treasuring your job, your bank account more than God? Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? What drives you? When push comes to shove, what is your basis? And if it's not the fact of, yeah, this stuff is nice, but my hope is in Christ and not here, you might need to lay those things down today. And lastly, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for dead things? Or are you waiting for the living hope of Christ? As we stand to our feet and have a time of invitation, First, uh, uh, Luke uh, says this, we need us to take up our cross and die daily and follow Him. The question I have for you today, what is it that you need to lay down? What is it that you're carrying that is dead and lifeless? And where do you need to ask Christ that, God, I'm going to refocus on you. I'm not going to focus on this person's acceptance. I'm not going to focus on this. I'm not going to focus on this bad thing, but I'm going to choose you as my living hope. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you need to come and receive Christ today. But if you have done that, you need to let God search you during this time of invitation and, and see if there's anything in you where you're putting your hope and dying and dead things. Are you waiting? Are you giving in to the easy? Are you being like Martha and are you choosing the, the, the better instead of the best? Because Jesus said to, to Martha, this will be never taken from her. Wait for the reward because it's worth it. Keep going. Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 2 says, Looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wait for the reward. If you need prayer, whatever you need today, we're here for you. Lord, I just ask the Holy Spirit that you move and that we're obedient to you. In your name, Jesus, amen.